Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Awakening Empty Nester podcast. We are so pleased you can join us in today's show. I am Michelle. And I am Mark, your host of this podcast, a show that was designed for you, the Awakening Empty Nester. In this series, we will be bringing you a whole range of inspiring insights, heart-filled stories and conversations with truly amazing people. People just like you. People who have navigated through their own challenges, lessons and opportunities. People who have transitioned to living a life of deeper experience, heart-filled contribution and consistent awakening and growth. Find out how they are all living with what we call a strong ECG life pulse. Let's discover more as we dive into this episode. Whether you're an empty nester or not, we trust you will enjoy today's show. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to the Awakening Empty Nester podcast. If you are a returning listener, thank you for tuning in again. If you are new to this podcast, we are honoured that you have joined us today. We are very much looking forward to today's conversation with one of Michelle's longtime friends, Jeanette Morris. Jeanette is a young 57-year-old grandmother of four, Jackson 11, Imogen 9, Lachlan 6 and Albury 10 months. She is wife of 37 years to Steve, is a massage therapist, a Zumba and yoga instructor, social butterfly and cruise junkie who has been navigating the constant changes that come with a growing family, a love for growth and adventure and recently Steve's early retirement. We welcome Jeanette Morris. Yes, welcome, Jeanette. It's great to have you on board today. Really good to catch up with you again. Thank you. (laughs) Jeanette, it's so good to see you. We don't get to see each other as often as we used to when I lived in Singleton. Mm -hmm. We're really happy that you've decided to hop on the podcast with us because we know that you've got a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of experience that you can share with our Empty Nester audience. So, Jeanette, you're an Empty Nester yourself. I am, yes. I had two daughters, my youngest daughter's 33, and Tanika's 35, my oldest, and I have four grandchildren. Wow. And you're only a young grandmother, aren't you? Yes, 57 years this year, yeah. Wow. (laughs) So there's been lots of transitions in your life. Some. Once Steve and I got married, we Mm -hmm. moved out to the western suburbs, and he had the opportunity of a job up in Singleton, which being young and foolish, we went, let's do it. It was a step up in his career. And the plan was for two years to work in Singleton for two years. You've heard this story before with others. (laughs) And, um, you know, compared to property prices down in Sydney, plus the Electricity Commission back then, um, we're trying to get people up for the commissioning. And so we were, I think we were paying something like about $50 a week to rent a house, just a three bedroom, one bathroom with a garage, which we couldn't have afforded to build that when we first got married back down in the western suburbs of Sydney. Mm -hmm. And then um, Steve got a more permanent job, so we looked at each other. We went to buy a block of land down the central coast, mm-hmm. which we actually we purchased, and then next thing the central coast skyrocketed and we looked around Singleton and all our friends were in Singleton and we thought, why are we going to do that? So 36 years later, we're still in Singleton. <laughs> so yeah. Still trying to. We're looking at going to Foster, actually. We're thinking we've got a few ideas up there. But, I mean, Singleton's a great town. Yeah. Well, it's in- interesting how you, you say that you've been there for, was it 37 36, years? 36, yeah. 
36 years. But from my my very brief knowledge of that town, it's a mining mm. town and it was extremely transient. Mm, like yes. you would, people would come in, go and leave and you'd hardly ever be able to have a friendship mm. with people for more than two years, mm. people who are coming in and out. But you've been there for 36 mm. years. Are you one of the rare ones who are there, have been there for that long or are there others? There are others, but I was actually surprised. Another lady that our, all our children were all together, she's actually just moved to Wanji. Mm-hmm. So you, you tend to find the, the ones that children end up planting themselves in Singleton are more likely to stay. But once they all spread their wings, yeah. you start to go, well, you know, there's other places to, to have a look around at and, and trial. Yeah. Okay. And mm. so your children left how many years ago? Well, they, well, they were both 18 when they left. Tanika oh, went wow. off to uni okay. and did nursing. And Danielle's actually still, she's only 20 minutes away in Glendenbrook. So oh, we right. see them quite regularly. But now that Jackson's almost 11, Imogen's just turned nine and Lachlan's six, mm-hmm. um, we're just finding out they've got sports and school and, and Danielle and, and Adam both work full time. So we're seeing less and less of them as babysitting and things. Mm-hmm. And plus they have their friends. So, yeah, they're not letting Nan and Pop as much as what they did, but we still see them quite regularly. Whereas when they were not at school, you know, they actually had their own room and toy room and all the rest of it. So you talked about a lot of people start to look at moving or, mm. or making a change when their kids leave home, yeah. but it, because you had the grandkids around you, you've stayed in yes, Singleton. definitely. Yeah. Apart from it, you liking the town. So... I hear there's something new on the horizon. You mentioned something about foster there. Yes, well, we're looking. There's an over 50s. We've known about it for about 18 months. We nearly um, moved up to Beechmere, but Tanika got pregnant and she'd had two miscarriages. So we wanted to be around to support her and everything. And little Aubrey's been born. She's nine months old now. So congratulations. um, we realised Queensland to Canberra is a long way. And so I read a lot on retirement and and to make it work, they actually say to move within a two, two and a half hour radius. You know, you can still go to the same doctors and still see friends and family and things, whereas to up and go a long way away is a bit more of a transition. And because we've looked at a lot of these over 50s type resorts, we have found a lot of people when they've been selling the secondhand ones. one of the partners has gotten sick and or died and all of a sudden they want to be around family again so Mm. you know that's a consideration if you really want to make it work and and as well moving to a different state a lot a lot of people move to different states and there's different things the laws and different rules and regulations I know Tanika had a lot of adjustment when she moved down and just everything's different you know even electricity providers and things so yeah trying to get your head around that when you're in your 60s and older (laughs) is you know can't teach an old dog new tricks so they say but um yeah <laughs> is that what you would advise our listeners that you can't, you can't teach, teach our dogs new I, tricks? I, I think it's a matter of whether the dog wants to try and learn the new tricks really mm, so very good <laughs> got to be interested in things if it's really if you're you've moved somewhere and you're really not enjoying it you're going to look at every opportunity to run it run it into the ground aren't you it's like this doesn't work and i don't like it here and da 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 whereas if you're you're happy you'll look for the positives hmm. Yeah, I guess there's also a choice too of making things work, you know. Mm, if, definitely. And you're right in terms of if someone has a bit of a fear, a little bit apprehensive of making a change, they mm. want to have a change in their life, but mm. they're a little bit worried about moving away too far from family, mm. then, you know, there are options. You can move to the next suburb just as one step yeah. and then you can keep expanding mm. as you start to feel the confidence mm. in things. Mm. 
So tell us a bit more about yourself and your life moving through. What was life like when you know, the kids transitioned away from home? Was that a challenge for you or was that uh, an easy transition? Well, fortunately, there'd been signs all around Singleton Learn to Dance. And as it turned out, they've become very dear friends of ours, Mick and Anne Heffernan. We got a great little group going and they used to do rock and roll lessons at the golf club. And then unfortunately, Anne got breast cancer and Nick had a bit of a, a compo claim and... Um, by default, we actually took over the, the rock and roll lessons and it was great socially. One day a week we'd go down to Maitland and we had a few friends Then we branched out from rock and roll and did Ciroc. That was sort of in our late 30s, early 40s. So all of a sudden we found this social life that we hadn't had whilst the kids were around. So they'd left and it was like, oh, <laughs> good. So that worked out really well. Then I had a little bit of a health scare and um, had a stage three melanoma and that really was sort of a kick in the bum of, well, we're here for a good time, not a long time. And just after having the melanoma, I walked out my back door on the day of my daughter's 21st birthday. We'd bought a house down in Singleton, predominantly because I'd had the stage three melanoma and thought, oh, well, we'd always wanted to move downtown. And we'd looked at the house about six months beforehand, but life got busy and I had to have the operation for the melanoma. And then we, um, we stopped, blow it. So we bought the house. And um, it was a great party house. So we had Tanika's 21st and me not doing things by halves. Thought, well, I've got to clean up for all these people coming. So I decided to have an open on the same day. And I walked out the back and stepped over. I had some masseuse sandals and, um, yeah, broke my um, fourth and fifth metatarsal in my, my foot. And except for having the two girls being in hospital, which were both natural deliveries, I'd never been sick or anything like that. So from the melanoma to then the broken foot. Mm -hmm. And because I'd always been interested in alternative health and fitness and things like that, I've always been one that, that went to the gym, never more just for movement. And I loved dance and I loved the yoga classes and I was never into the pumping iron type things. So I um, decided that I'd go off and do massage. And there was a, a two-week course up in Byron Bay. So once I got off my crutches, I went up and did Thai massage up in Byron Bay. And unfortunately, back then, Thai massage wasn't as sort of mainstream as is these days. So I um, then went off and thought, well, I'll do a certificate in three in massage. The lady that was teaching us was a bit alternative. Her thing was um, massage is the giving of loving kindness. So that sort mm. of stuck in my mind. And just saying that I was interested in it, Steve, knowing I left school in year 10, and I, even though I can type, over 180 words per minute, whenever I'd go for job interviews, the minute that they said that it was a test, I would just shake. <sighs> I would get everything wrong. My fingers would actually go like this on the, and yeah. I just couldn't do a test because, you know, self-taught. I left in year 10. I'm, I'm not smart. I can't do tests. So mm. Steve thought he'd, he'd come along and, and do the course with me and sort of, you know, help me. And um, I had to rote learn all the anatomy and physiology and um, I found it was something that I took to it like a duck to water. It was like, wow. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so we did that. And then Steve, when we had to do the clinicals, Steve didn't particularly like touching people. Whereas once we got <laughs> to the clinicals, I was just like, yeah, there's no test. They're not doing anything that I have to remember now. And then he decided, yeah, do, doing a business, we we're going to do a business together so that he could get out of the power station. He mm -hmm. slunk back to the power station and I went, no, no, I'll do this. So went off and finished my certificate 
and I got called in. I used to job share and it was when the mining downturned. So I was offered a redundancy. Then I went and got a, a job at Chateau Alain at the Vintage for two years. So uh, in answer to your question, Mark, no, it was like, what kids? They'd be like, oh, where's mum? Oh, she's, and you know, even now the grandkids come in, oh, is Nan working? It was because I think it was more that I was interested in it, mm-hmm. it did, and it didn't feel like work. And all of a sudden I could um, find what I was interested in from the dancing to, you know, a little bit of social things to do, and then doing the, the massage course didn't miss the kids at all. Wow. So that's definitely one way to transition through mm. the empty nester mm. period mm. by keeping yourself passionate about something that you're doing mm. so much so mm. that that energy just mm. continues along and you don't even know what changes mm. are happening around yeah. you. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's awesome. That's great. And I, I love that you um, started pursuing something that was hundred percent you were interested in mm. and that you were passionate about. That's mm. amazing. And, and mm. I'm sure that would be an inspiration for your kids as well, mm. as well as your friends around you. Mm. We find that a lot of people in this age group, they feel stuck. They feel like they've, you know, well, what's next? And they've actually forgotten their dreams. Mm. So yeah. speaking with someone like yourself mm. who found that transition rather easy, I think there's uh, you know, there's a cool mm. lesson there. Mm. That's the other trick is, I mean, fortunately I used to tell my clients, you know, I'm not trying to pay the bills. Fortunately, Steve was at work and allowed me that that flexibility to not put the pressure on myself. And I mean, mm-hmm. that's probably why I've got the longevity of 14 years later and still wanting to do it for massage particularly. But I mean, mm-hmm. there's people that I know now that do painting and, you know, they start off just something that they're interested in. And then next mm-hmm. thing, people are commissioning them to do a painting and, and things like that. I think it's not following the money when you're older. That's mm-hmm. the trick. And then if the money comes, what is it? be passionate about something and never work a day in your life. And, exactly. um, and, and that's it. When we're younger and, and we've got to pay the bills and pay the mortgage and all the rest of it, whereas if you've set yourself up and been smart in your life, you should be able to have that little bit of downtime to go, all right, it's not about the money that I'm working for and paying the bills, but what am I enjoying doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a question for you. If your current self, knowing what you know, could go back in time to when you were 18, 21, what would you yeah. tell yourself? Oh, definitely find a job that you enjoy, that you don't wake up in the morning going, oh. like my husband used to have a spreadsheet at work of when he could retire. Yeah, you know, I, I only right. found all this out. Yes. Like he had sort of told me, but I, I know more about what he did at work now since he's retired. And for the last five years he was at work, he hated every day being at work. Like that can't be good for your psychology or your no, or your health. your health. Like, who does that? Yet you talk to so many people, and they're just on this treadmill, and they don't know, and they're fearful of losing their job. Oh, 100%. Mm. That's the way society exactly. is geared, yeah. geared in that way. Mm. And studies have shown over 75% of the workforce are disengaged. Mm. So Steve mm. is not alone. He is mm. one of yeah. 75% of yeah. our society yeah. that really did not, do not, or do, did not enjoy mm. our working life, mm. which is not a great place to be. You're not living your dreams when you're in that space, are no. you? So, and you're at work more than um, what you're at home. And, and Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But that's easy to say now, isn't oh, it? Definitely. When you look back and say, oh, I should I wish I could. Or, well, that, that was the reason that we actually moved up to Singleton because I was able to give up work because Steve was working three days a week overtime. Yes. He'd leave work at 7 o'clock in the morning and he got home between 8, 30, 9 o'clock. And I actually didn't realise just what he did for me until I was out at Chateau Alain 
working, I'd leave home at seven o'clock in the morning. Sometimes I'd turn around and go, oh, we booked another massage for you at five o'clock when I've been massaging all day. And then I'd clean up, get home, get home at seven o'clock and be exhausted. I actually thanked Steve for what he did to set us up financially. And as he said, back then he was in his 30s. He wasn't in his 40s, almost 50, doing a physical job. But, you know, you do what, and you don't know any better. Like, that's what our parent, like mum sent me off to, to secretarial school and you just did what your parents told you. And I do remember my mother actually saying to me, oh, once you got married, you were Steve's problem. You know, like, not in a bad way, but she wasn't worried about us. That's what that generation did. Whereas my two daughters are very much, no, you know, we, we want careers and we want this. But it's a little bit sad that we're missing out on children and the good things in life that you can look back on. Mm. You know, my daughter's about, Tanika's about to go back. She's been very lucky and blessed. One good thing that's come out of coronavirus, her husband has been working from home. So they've had a lot of time with their new daughter. Mm. And that's what she said. Had it not been for this, he would have been at work, not working at home and things. But, you know, most children now, people have children and off they go back to work after three or six months and the daycares are bringing up their children. Fortunately, I stayed at home with my children until they were five. Um, then I went back into part-time work and I was always able to work school hours. And for that, I'm sort of really grateful. Again, Steve had a, had a good job at the power station, but I don't really have too many regrets mm-hmm. of how we've we've lived our lives. So that's good to look back and go, well, I didn't really know that much, but what we did know at the time, we, we didn't do mm, too badly. Yeah. You made choices that were mm. would help yeah. you then and yeah. then now in the future, yeah. yeah. Do you feel you're an intuitive lady? Do you feel Very. you follow <laughs> your intuition? Yeah, I, yeah, I get that. Yeah. I get yeah. that. When you are yeah. tapped into how things feel, you know, how does that feel for me? And then you follow your gut, follow your mm. feeling rather than my head yeah. and making yeah. decisions from here, then you're, you're setting yourself mm. up for... Yeah, very much. For challenges, really. So, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So travel, you love to get out. I understand you guys love to cruise. You're cruises, right? Yes, it's a bit of a sore point at the moment. We've had two cruises, (laughs) two cruises cancelled. We were meant to be going to Papua New Guinea. And then we got the deal of a lifetime for $1,700 to do a a 28-day round when the pandemic first started. And then we should actually be at the moment in the USA. That got cancelled. And we've had our money back. We've actually got a $3,000 credit to, from Princess, so we actually have a free cruise when we can cruise again. I was prepared to lose it. I was, it was like there's worse things happening in the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now we've found a house and so all that money that we got back from our holidays oh, yes. this year will come in handy. But cruising has changed a lot since we've been doing it in 20 years. 20 years. So how many, cru- how many cruises would that have been? Oh, about 30. Our very first cruise was meant to go just to the islands. And we paid $2,000, two adults, two children on a CTC cruise. And it was meant to go just to the islands for seven days. Mm-hmm. And we booked and paid for it. And our boat fell over in dry dock. And it was all over the news. Fell over. Fell over in dry dock. Belarusia, it was called. And it was all over the news back in the day before <laughs> emails and Facebook. Um, I'm sending these faxes backwards and forwards going, oh, my God, you know, I paid $2,000. That was a lot of money 30 years ago. So they said, um, how about we send you on a cruise to Bali from Perth? So they flew us over to Perth and then we went on a nine-night cruise to Bali and nice. we didn't have to pay any extra. 
Mm-hmm. And um, it was amazing. And that was our first sort of international holiday. And, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we got the bug then. Got and hooked. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Bali would have been a very different place oh, then than definitely. it is now. Yeah. We, we left yeah. the kids in the main street having their, their hair braided. Oh, we didn't leave them, you know. We paid a couple <laughs> of dollars to have their, their hairs um, braided and we're walking up and down looking. And the girl's like, I can't believe you did that, Mum. Like, and we were sort of blonde-haired and white and we could have just yeah. been stolen and it's like, oh, get over yourself, you know. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> you know, we used to leave the kids in the cabin and, you know, go out, to, not that we're big drinkers or anything like that, but that's just what you did back then, you know. If, you, if your kids survived, it was more good luck than good management. So, whereas these days, all the helicopter parents and it's like, oh, you know. Wrap them up in yeah, bubble wrap yeah, and cotton wool. Yeah. <laughs> So that really got us back then. It was sort of, we'd have to sort of save up for three or four years to go on another one. So have you counted how many countries you've been to? Yeah, we've been to a lot. Um, we were actually meant to start going to um, Italy and Spain. We had a, something booked, which has fallen through with coronavirus. So I've been to Paris. My father came from Ashton Underline in Manchester mm-hmm. and Steve came from Blackpool. He came out um, when he was five. His parents were 10 pound poms. <laughs> they they came out and my father came out on the big brother movement that was quite interesting it was when they were trying to get people to immigrate to australia and mm-hmm. um dad came over and he he was 17 when he came over to australia and they took him out to a sheep station and um he didn't like the ants bit him and he, <laughs> he didn't really <laughs> like it so as soon as he'd done his six months out at gilgandra it was um he's like oh i'm heading for the city so he moved down to Sydney and he actually used to be a bus driver and he never went back. He, he's like, no, he, he loved Australia. And finally, all his family ended up coming out. My grandma came out and immigrated and my aunt and my two uncles. You're allowed to immigrate to Australia, but you must have 10 pounds. Okay. And Steve's father actually smoked at the time and, and he bought some duty-free cigarettes. So they actually came into Australia without the 10 pounds. Yeah, so, oh. yeah. so yeah, they were, it was called 10-pound poms. They, they were big, okay. big things in the, the 40s, 50s, 60s. Yeah. And then what was the Big Brother? Big Brother movement. But that, that was it. They, yeah. they um, young men and women, but mainly men, to come out and work on sheep stations and, and farms and things like that. Okay. Steve's father actually got a job on a dairy farm when he first came out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was to find jobs that basically the people in the city didn't want to do. And it was just a way to get immigration. Because they got bit by ants. (laughs) Well, the ants here can be pretty vicious. They were greedy. Dad Dad took us to Golgandra once and they all bit us. And it doesn't hurt when it, but about half an hour later, it just throbs. And Dad thought that was hilarious. Uh (laughs) That was the sort of father I we're, we're making, we're building a garden and they're both green Mm. ants and jumping jack ants out there. And um, the green ants... I had a couple of bites. They're not mm. too bad, but the jumping jack, mm. oh. <laughs> they don't tell you about all these things in Australia, do they? It's ridiculous what we go through. <laughs> uh, but listeners, if you're not from Australia and you're wanting to come, <laughs> there's so many other beautiful things here. <laughs> so don't be afraid. Jeanette, you've had so much world experience. You've had all these transitions within transitions that you haven't even really been aware of because you've been so focused on what you love, what you're passionate about. 
throughout that journey, I know for myself that when I was in Singleton for the two or three years, or was it four years I was in Singleton, you were an amazing connector. You connected people socially, you know, you had people around at your place and you were, to me, you were a contributor. You were somebody who loved to give, loved to serve. How else do you do that? Well, going back to why I used to have my ladies group and have people around, I was 21 and six months pregnant when I moved to Singleton. I didn't know a soul and one of my neighbours came and knocked on my door and she'd seen that I'd, I'd washed the nappies and she sort of took me under her wing, Rexine Cooney, her name is, if she ever listens to this, she knows how I feel about her. She had two children and her husband worked out of the power station with Steve and she'd moved around a lot with her husband and his position. So she knew, as you say, Singleton was a transient town. So her and another lady, we moved into a duplex when we first moved up and I knocked on the door because I was living over in duplex. We kept getting her, her mail and I went over and she was another one who asked me in for coffee and here was me pregnant and we were thick as thieves, Linda and I. And she was the same. She had two daughters. Had they not done it, because I'd lived in Wayland my whole life, you know, from five years old, had all my friends, the neighbours in the street, I didn't realise how lonely it was. And back then I used to have $300 phone bills because I'd come out of work. I didn't know anybody. Steve was at work three days a week. On the weekends, we'd drive back down to see his parents or my parents. So, yeah, that's why when the girls left home and everything, people would come from the army or, or move up their work. And how do you meet people when you're not working in a job so that you can meet friends or you've got children that you can get involved in the school and things? So I I didn't realise it at the time until now people have pointed it out to me, but it made such a difference to my life. I always was a bit of an extrovert anyway, so I couldn't believe that there would be people that would just not say, oh, I'll join a gym or I'll go to a cooking class because that's what I would do that people wait for people to invite them along to things. So it wasn't really about giving back. It was just I did it because people introduced me to the fact that not everybody has friends or or isn't as outgoing to put themselves out there. So I did that. And and then when I was doing my massage, Hunter New England Health offered me a, a certificate in fitness to do. That was thinking of moving forward once we do get, because for years we've thought of going into one of these over 50s type places I'd like to be able to do just some easy exercises for people um we were on a cruise a while back and we had a lot of sea days I ended up doing classes um of yoga and people who've you know only ever done it once a week said how much better they felt from being able to do it every day oh so you were the instructor on the cruise yeah that said they won't let you do that I'm said I'm not asking any money for it we're just going up and doing a uh, stretch class And then next thing, there'd be other people there and other people there because the sea days can get quite long and boring. And yeah, I had about 15, 20 people coming to the classes and Hmm. yeah, and so many of them said that they got a real lot out of it. So So that was another way of contributing. Well, that's what I'd planned to do on on these long sea days when we got back. Okay. Hmm. So is this something that you still do? You still host classes? No, no. Well, really... um, since Steve left work, we've been mm-hmm. doing a bit of caravanning. Um, well, Tanika's down here. School holidays, I'm usually busy with Danielle, with her kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did do Zumba or Zumba Gold, which is the, the slower version for University of the Third Age. That That is just amazing. Anybody 
who's thinking of retiring or semi-retiring needs to look up their local university of the third age, U3A. Okay. We have one in Singleton. We've had that for about four years now. Mm-hmm. And their philosophy is those that learn shall teach and those that teach shall learn. You know, if you've always been interested in doing Italian, you can set up a class. When I was doing my Certificate 3 in fitness, I'd do yoga and I'd do Zumba for mm-hmm. Zumba Gold. So I wasn't getting any payment, didn't need insurances or anything like that. All came under the U3A umbrella. Singleton, U3A is just social. Well, Singleton, you pay $30 for the whole year. They do, it's called Balance and Bones. That's put out by University of the Third Age. As you get older, you do a lot of trip and fall things, so it's important to keep moving. So they do balance and bones and then they do the yoga class. And, I mean, it's amazing what people, people have done ceramics. I actually did a, um, you know, where you break the pots and all the rest of it, like mosaics. Oh. Made a mosaic. <laughs> and, and I was really good at it. Yeah. Well, you're talking about a Greek wedding then. You yeah, I thought you were talking about anger management. No, no, Actually, it was really good breaking them. I mean, because it's with the U3A, you, were, you weren't paying a yeah. fortune to do it to right. see if you liked it. And it was Mm -hmm. just a taster. Yeah. That's a really great organisation to be able to go in and contribute. And if you don't have anything specific at the time, you can still go and learn. I mean, there's so many different ways of contributing. And especially when people are operating from their heart or doing something that they love, that's when contribution Mm. is at its purest Mm. form. So, Jeanette, what's next for you guys? Well, it looks like the big move, the transition up to Foster into an over-50s lifestyle resort. The downsizing is going to be very interesting because from a a flat to a duplex to a house to another house to a big house to a huge house, now we have to downsize. And um, Marie Kondo, is that how you say her name? I'm going to look at everything and see if it inspires love. And if it doesn't, it's going. We went through a similar process when we combined houses and then moved up here. Mm. I had a large house, Michelle had her house, and we had two houses full of furniture and all our personal items. And then we moved into a a small three-bedroom townhouse on the Gold Coast Mm. and then moved from there up to here. Mm. So we we moved a lot of things away. Mm. it's It's an interesting process to go through. It's a cleansing process. Mm, yeah. so I think it's good in transition to not hold on to everything that we mm. we had before. Absolutely. Whether it was it was a great way yeah. to let go mm. of things that you just don't need. Mm. I mean it's a great and it's a great analogy to life mm. and, and let's call it internal emotional baggage and stories and so on. What doesn't serve you anymore? Mm. Move it on. Mm-hmm. Well, I had a very cathartic moment. Um, my mother passed away after it was basically a three-week battle with lung cancer. She didn't even know that she was sick and dying. And because she was in palliative care and I had to clean out her retirement home and it was was only more a bed sit, but having your mum's recliner rocker and it was old and and crackly and everything. And we actually had to empty everything out. It either went to my sisters, we gave a whole stack of it to the neighbours. They were saying, how much do you want? It's like, just take it because these days you can't even drop things at the... um, the op shops and things, electricals and, and stuff. But the one thing that really hit me was my mum's my mum's chair, throwing that into a dumpster. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you know, it, it really does make you think, you'd, you know, all these things that my, my kids, when we go, will look at and go, oh, God, that's rubbish. But one thing that I did find, which Dad had kept, was the love letters that my mum wrote to oh, him. Oh, beautiful. So, you know, they were married for 55 years and 
dad died 11 years before mum. But, yeah, just the things that were special. And she had a little little um, box labelled with all the special things. But that that I did did keep. And one day I'll, I'll sit down and, and have a have a glass of wine and, and just read through them. Yeah, it was, I, I was trying with to read them. With a box of tissues. Recently, but it was just a little bit, yeah, I, I just wasn't in the mood. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's beautiful. Jeanette, you've had such a full life. In 57 years, you've had so many experiences. You're contributing. You continue to contribute. How would you like to be remembered? <laughs> like I said earlier, that I would go to the opening of a chip packet. You know, <laughs> you, you, want, you want people to remember you as happy and not too serious. Laugh at yourself. Laugh at life. We're here for a good time, not a long time. Yeah. Mm, yeah, very mm. wise, very wise. So thank you. You've had a wealth of experience being an empty nester. What is one piece of advice that you would give to our audience who are empty nesters? Just be happy with where you're at now. There's no rule books for parenthood, no rule books for marriage, no rule books. You do the best you can with the things that you have at the time and just don't live with regrets. Life is a journey and you just want to, Look back, actually, I'll, I'll tear up now. My mum, my last words that my mum was dying and, and we were actually going off on a cruise and we were told that she had three months to live and she cuddled me and she said, you know what, I've had a lovely, lovely life. Like, I loved my life. That, that's, that's how I want to be on my deathbed. I never saw my mum again. And to be out, like, it's given me um, peace. But... For somebody to actually, at 76, staring death and, and say that they've had a really good life, that, that's what you want, a really good life on your deathbed. So, mm. you know, she gave me a gift with, with going and saying that. And, and I think about that all the time, that you just really want a good life. And only we can give ourselves a good life. No, nobody else can. Only you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's yeah. true. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's, that yeah. That's beautiful. And it's... Mm. It's a very important lesson, mm. isn't it? You know, we get so caught up with life, with the stresses and the strains and the, the needing to mm. do this, the, the FOMO, thinking about things rather than feeling into mm. things. We're emotional creatures. Everything we do, every choice we make is because of an emotion. Either we want to move towards mm. something we want to do or we want to move away from something we don't want yeah. anymore. Enjoying your life fully and absolutely is definitely the key to living isn't it and sharing those things that you that you've learned contributing experiencing life and in growing that whole ecg thing that we talk about all the time are very very key factors what we believe is having an extraordinary life Mm. and i just want to say your mum's message that gift to you that's going out to the people who are going to listen to this episode. So her contribution continues and, you know, it might just be one Mm. person who hears that and just has to hear it at the right time in their life Mm. right now and touches them and they go and make a big change, make the change they need to make in their life. So thank you to your mum. Thank you to you, Jeanette, for sharing that. You've been an awesome (laughs) guest and we look forward to chatting with you again soon. Yeah, thank you. This is the Awakening Empty Nester podcast. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard today, share with a friend. 
And if you have not already done so, please subscribe, rate and review the show on your favourite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments or feedback for us, you can reach us directly at podcast at thedreamarchitects.com. Looking forward to you joining us on our next show. Thank you for listening. 